This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Gold. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Throws to the end zone. It is caught for the Miami touchdown. It's Parker. All day long with Devontae Parker. Picked off. Going to the end zone is Eric Rowe for the touchdown. Play fake. Throws it. There he is. Wiggins. And it's a big man touchdown in Miami. What is up? Welcome in, Miami Dolphins fans, to another episode of Fin It to Win It, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. My name is Riley Bradshaw, alongside Mason Englehart. You can follow, interact with the show on social media at Fin It to Win It on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of social media, we just posted earlier this week the final round of our Dolphins trivia challenge. We posted a trivia question on Facebook and Twitter. So all you have to do is go to our social media accounts, find the question, answer the question correctly, retweet or share, depending on the platform that you're doing it on, and make sure you follow Finit to win it, and you'll be entered to compete for the chance to win a $100 gift card to NFL Shop. So if you haven't done that, this is your last opportunity. This is round number four, the final round. Mason, you're putting your finger in the air like you have something to say. Yeah, it's important too, Riley. Hey, everybody. So um, <laughs> one thing we have not mentioned really that needs to be said is the first two rounds that we've done will be on our next Fins Up Friday show. Yes. I think that's yep. important to get out there because I think we've had some people ask us on social media, okay, when are these going to be posted? Are they all going to be at once? I think originally we had planned to do all four rounds in one show, but we've had a It'd blast a doing the it would be a lot. And we've had a blast doing the first two rounds. And we've talked to some of these fans about stuff like how long have they been Dolphin fans? How confident are they with trivia? We've had some side conversations. So the first two rounds will be on that Fins Up Friday show, which is going to be next week on Friday, obviously. And if you're a trivia fan, if you're a Dolphins fan, this is going to be a fun show to listen to because just I don't know about you guys. I'm a big trivia junkie. I love being 
being asked questions. I love listening to them and trying to know if I can to get the answer. So it'll be a lot of fun to tune into that show. Yeah, we also have a cool interview lined up for that particular show. So make sure you catch that Fins Up Friday. That should be coming out next Friday. Before we get going, and there's a ton to get to because... A lot. Guys, football is around the corner. Finally, it looks like... Fingers crossed. (laughs) Players are on their way. It looks like it's going to happen. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you want to do. But the first thing is, I want to apologize because typically we put out at least one show on Tuesdays and one on Thursdays. We missed this Tuesday because, quite frankly, your boy has had a rough go of it, (laughs) Mason. Um, Both my girls have been sick for about the past week. In fact, we got them both tested for COVID, which is also, you know, kind of crazy. They told us seven to nine days to hear back. I thought that was a little absurd. Like, by the time we hear Mm. back whether they have it or not, they're going to be cured of it, (laughs) even if they have it. So we don't really know how to go about that. But then, on top of that, Mason... The day we get them tested, that night at like midnight, I wake up and it's like 80 degrees at my house because our AC broke. So it's been a long week for your boy. I'm a little bit on the struggle bus, but I'm, I'm glad we're at least bringing you one episode here on Thursday. When it rains, it pours, Riley. And I mean, for yeah, seven and nine days, that's crazy. That, that used to be like the amount of time that girls would text you back after dates. So you know how long Maybe that you, is, Mason, Riley. Me. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe you realize and you remember back in the day how long that was, but... Uh, your girls are doing better though. They're turning the corner. Back in my day, we didn't have texting, Mason. Come on. Okay, <laughs> we had the, yeah, that we had the landlines that, that you remember everybody's number. I know I'm showing my age a little bit here, but you know, uh, yeah, the girls, they're doing, they're doing better. They're feeling a lot better, but yeah, it, it's kind of, we're in that, you know, that, that in between zone, we don't know whether we can send them to daycare or we have to keep them home. You know, we have jobs and stuff like, uh, it, it's a mess and I can't even imagine what, other people are going through. It's just such a weird time to be alive, uh, for sure, especially in this country. But yeah, they're 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 doing good. So um, I, you know, no complaints from me. Uh, it's just it's been a long week. I needed a minute to get myself together. But understandable. Are, yeah, but we had to come on today because today actually rookies are reporting to camp, and we thought, hey, this is a great opportunity to jump on and talk about these rookies that are reporting to camp and just the impact that we think they're going to have on the Miami Dolphins this season. So we've, you know, we obviously did our draft recap. It was one of our first episodes that we did as a show. Uh, so you can go back and listen to that for, you know, an in-depth breakdown of each of these players. But tonight we're going to really highlight guys that we think are going to make impacts immediately mm-hmm. on the Miami Dolphins this season. And we're going to rank them, too. We're going to go one through five. So, obviously, the higher the number, the more impact they're going to have this season. That's a a big thing to include, again, this season. This is not in the future, three or four years from now. It's this season. So, there's a player we don't necessarily feel too high about. You know, we don't rank them a four or a five. It's because this season we feel like they're going to maybe just kind of be watching from the sidelines, hint, hint, on somebody possibly coming up. So it'll be fun to rank these guys from one to five. We've talked about these rookies a lot over the offseason just because the Dolphins had a ton of draft picks and they drafted a lot of guys who are going to play uh, this season for the Dolphins and have an impact. So it'll be nice to go through each of these and kind of talk about each one and to see how close Riley and I are with how much of an impact we think these guys will make this year. And it'll be interesting to see how we do it because it could be based on circumstance. They may be thrown into a situation where they have to play, even if they're not necessarily ready. And some guys, you know, they may be in a position group that's a little more well off um, with a better outlook going into this year. So they may be able to sit and learn for at least a while before they're thrown into action. So 
We're going to get into that in just a minute. I want to go through a couple news and notes because things are breaking, obviously, now that training camp is around the corner. Uh, speaking of rookies, and we talked about this, Mason, in our uh, preseason breakdown when we talked about whether there's going to be no preseason or not, we now know that's that's not happening. There's going to be no preseason. And we mentioned back in that episode the potential of them cutting rosters down heading into camp from the typical 90-man roster. That yep. indeed is the case. It looks like they're going to be going into camp with 80 guys, so they're cutting 10 spots. Now, if you look at the current Dolphins roster, they don't have 90 guys right now on the roster, so they're going to be looking to cut before they even get to camp around seven or eight guys. Um, but you have to think, Mason, for these undrafted rookies, a lot of them are going to get the ax and not even get the opportunity to, you know, to play or at least showcase their skills and try to make this roster. They're not even going to get a chance to go to camp. Yeah, we mentioned that last episode or two about how tough it's going to be in this spot. You know, practice squad is going to be a realistic situation for a lot of these guys, where they're going to end up and where they're going to have to stay for a little while. And you never know. With injuries, the way things go throughout the season, they may get called up. We've seen certain players. Isaiah Ford's one, obviously, who's had some time on the practice squad. He's had his chances. He had a good end to the season last year for the Dolphins, showed some promise. So, yeah, I mean, the undrafted rookies, they're definitely going to be behind the eight ball with everything going on, but hopefully they can stick around with the Dolphins if the Dolphins put them on their practice squad and they can show some promise, and you never know. Maybe they can get the call up, but you know what? We can't just write them off right now. I mean, you just never know what happens in training camp. Injuries, players underperforming, and then you have players that overperform. Yeah, and you have to kind of look at, you know, you're going to have – seven, eight guys cut, not even get the chance, but they are talking about expanding the practice squad. You mentioned the practice squad, Mason. So hopefully guys will be able to be placed on the practice squad and, you know, at least stick around and show what they got to the Dolphins and potentially be called up, you know, because it was interesting on Twitter before we jump into tonight's, you know, topic with the impact rookies. I did think it was interesting. Russell Clay, we had him on the show, fantasyguru.com, uh, Russell Clay, he brought up an interesting angle to that, Mason, that I hadn't thought of, you know, because right off the bat, um, you know, immediately you're going to think, yeah, these guys, these late round picks, these undrafted rookies, you know, they're, they're screwed. They're not going to even get an opportunity. But with the potential of expanded practice squads, if they get on the practice squad, think about the opportunity weeks three, weeks four, moving farther into the season. Because one, if guys don't feel comfortable playing, that's going to open up roster spots. And you know there's going to be a few of them. Two, what if someone catches COVID? What if a group catches COVID? That could be an entire piece of the depth chart that goes out for a few weeks. So then you have these guys waiting in the wings that are going to get opportunities. So, you know, COVID's such a unique situation that you may be, yeah, you may be screwed right now in the immediate, but in a couple weeks, who knows? You may be getting a call because half the defensive line has COVID. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you just got to keep your head on a swivel and you have to be prepared. If you're not playing a lot of minutes, if you're not on the team technically right now, you still need to be ready to go because you never know with this situation. It could be a Thursday, a Friday, even leading up to game day when some news breaks out a player or certain players can't play. And that is an interesting angle that Russell went with. I've thought of it a little bit too, but yeah, it's definitely the reality with everything going on. And as we get closer and closer to the season, I think we're going to see a lot more of this, unfortunately. So even if players don't get called up into the roster, man, they have to be ready to contribute. 
it's just it's exciting, Mason, that we're finally right on the cusp of actual football being played, you know, with just the uncertainty of everything going on right now in society. And then if you look, you know, specifically football, we didn't even know if players would be reporting. We don't know if the season's going to start on time still, but at least mm-hmm. guys are showing up to camp. They're showing up to the facility, and right now it's a go. We're going to be playing football. We're going into training camp uh, here in the next week. So uh, gear up, Dolphins fans, because the news is going to be coming in hot pretty much from here on out uh, moving forward into the regular season. So let's go ahead and jump in to the rookies, the drafted rookies, and the impact that we think they're going to have on the Dolphins this season. Before we get into that, let's do a quick read, Mason, from our sponsor of tonight's show, Bet Online. Look, everyone, sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Mason, why don't you tell them more? You got to check out the odds. You got to check out the futures, the props, everything to bet on. It's all available 24 7 at Bet Online and Riley on the entertainment side of things. Because remember, you. you it's not all about sports on bet online entertainment side floyd money mayweather you may have heard of him he joins bet online the bet online team to bring you a brand new segment the ice is right do you get that riley the ice is right i like that very clever floyd's going to talk about all his jewelry and he's going to give you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes that's pretty cool so visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports and entertainment news obviously remember to use the promo code blue wire to receive your new welcome bonus that's promo code blue wire bet online your online wagering experts all right so let's roll through this we're going to start rounds one work our way through to round seven obviously you know leading off our number five pick the future of our franchise Tua Tonga Vailoa we mentioned Mason the impact I guess we're going to give him a grade one through five This might be the toughest one because, you know, if he plays, obviously he's the future. He's the quarterback. You're going to give him a five, but we don't know when that's going to be. We don't know when it's going to be. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick is very familiar with this Chan Gailey offense. With so much uncertainty looming, it looks like there's probably not going to be a preseason going on. We don't know what training camp is going to look like with everything going on with COVID. That means a lot of guys are not going to get that normal amount of time to work with players, to work with coaches. So, You look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a journeyman. He's going to turn 38 this year, but he ended the season on a positive note, Riley. We know that. We've talked about it. And like I said, five years under a Chan Gailey offense, that really means a lot. I feel very strongly that he's going to start the year, but we've both agreed on this, Riley. We think there's more than likely going to come a time this season where two is going to step in. So because of that, I'm going to give the impact grade a 3.5, a 3.5. Okay, we're getting that specific. I'm splitting hairs a little. Now, yeah, I'm not going to say 3.3, 3.2, but I'm going to say 3.5 because I think later in the year, probably sometime right before the bye week, after the bye week, we could see Tua. And obviously that's going to be a huge impact for the Dolphins in the season. I just don't think he's going to start the year for Miami. Yeah, this basically goes to when do you think Tua is going to start? So for me, I would prefer him to start in the second half of the season. And this is all based on the fact that we are anticipating the regular season starting on time. That could get pushed back. We don't know. But if the season starts on time, I don't know. I'm a little worried about this October slate, Mason. We've gone through the teams that they're playing, you know, teams like Seattle, San Francisco. Uh, it's, It's a rough October. 
So if they come out of the gates really slow versus the Patriots versus the Bills, you know, in September, and then they go through that rough October, I could see Tua getting thrown in there towards the, you know, later half of October, which is a little earlier than I would like to see him based on all those factors you talked about with a rebuilt offensive line to a rehabbing his injury. You know, you have Fitzpatrick there who has the history with Chan Gailey and his offense. So I would like to see it a little bit later, but I'm starting to think the closer and closer we get to training camp and now through the regular season, anticipation is just going to build to get this guy on the football field. Fans are going to be clamoring for it. The media is going to be clamoring for it. And if you don't think the media has any type of pull in these type of situations, mm-hmm. yeah. then you are wrong. The more pressure they put on, the higher and higher it gets put in the spotlight, the more pressure is going to be put on Brian Flores and this coaching staff to get their number one draft pick in there. So I'm starting to lean more towards you're going to see him earlier rather than later. For football-wise, I'm not sure if it's a great thing, but impact-wise, I'm going to go four because you know okay. I'd give him a five if he was your week one starter. He's the quarterback, most important position on the football field. But I'm anticipating you know probably end of October is when we could realistically see Tua. So from there on out, he's the guy, you know, unless he really struggles and they go back to Fitzpatrick. So I'm going to go with a four for Tua. And I could I could see the argument of someone saying, well, listen, if, if he's starting a game, it should be a five. You know, the impact, obviously, obviously a quarterback's going to have a game is going to be a five, but I'm looking at it as an entire season. You know, if he's playing half the season, I, I don't know if I can give him a five for that because he's not even making an impact for the games he's not playing in. But, um, you know, you just never know. This this is going to be interesting. As we go down the list of each rookie, There there's, there's a few tough ones, and two is obviously one that can be very debatable. I mean, yeah, and you can even debate that he's a five, even if you're not talking on the field, just what he means for the team off the field just the excitement that he creates around the organization, the amount of attention that the team is getting. I haven't seen a off season where the dolphins have been talked about. I mean, Colin Cowherd can't go through a segment without mentioning to his name. So uh, I mean, the dolphins are all over the place right now. And big part of that is to a tongue of Aloha. So if you're talking off the field, totally a five, Um, it's just, you know, when are we going to see him actually on the field? So a guy that I think Mason, we're going to see on the field week one, and I'm not sure if it's a great situation, but I think it's going to happen. It kind of has to happen is Austin Jackson. We take him with the 18th pick. Uh, we needed an offensive tackle bad, obviously, with you know the offensive line being a complete mess last year. He's a guy that's raw, extremely talented. Uh, we've talked about him plenty on this show. Really quick off the line. He has great length, fantastic upside, but he's a project, and he needs <laughs> – he needs reps, and unfortunately, I think a lot of those reps are going to come in actual game action. <laughs> yeah, as time as time goes on, that left tackle spot, you know, Julian Davenport and Austin Jackson, they're going to be battling it out in camp. And as time goes on, if Austin Jackson has not secured that starting spot at left tackle, we need to start getting a little worried. You mentioned the fact that they're not getting as much reps. They're not getting as much time playing with each other, with everything going on. So that means there is a chance week one, Julian Davenport is the starting left tackle. I still think, though, it is going to be Austin Jackson. I think he's going to be the week one starter. He is a project, but I think he's going to have to play. I think he's going to show that he is a little bit more talented, a little bit more suited for that spot than Julian Davenport. So I'm going to give him a five for that. The fact that he's going to be a starting left tackle in my eyes week one 
makes me think that, yes, his impact is going to be huge. Week one, all the way to the end of the season. Hopefully he can make it throughout the entire season, starting at left tackle. We've Man, we have mentioned so much this offseason about how poorly the offensive line played last season. So the Dolphins, there's only one way you can go, and that's up. So hopefully these rookies that they're going to be inserting, including their first-round pick, Austin Jackson, he can make a splash, he can show he can be a starter, and make a big impact. Yeah, he's absolutely a five. Even if he's not ready to play, he's got to play week one. Because if he can't beat Julian Davenport out in training camp, that is not a good sign for the Dolphins moving forward. I think, you know, obviously the Tua pick, the implications of it are huge. You really need it to work. I mean, we've drafted how many guys now? Not with a pick that high, but, you know, go back to Tannehill in the first 10 picks. Guys like John Beck, they drafted in the second round. Uh, what, 10 or so years ago. But, you know, they've invested in some in quarterbacks, but no, nothing like uh, the Tua pick. But if you look beyond that, this Austin Jackson pick, man, they got to hit it because they need so much help with this tackle position. Uh, right tackle even is a question mark for this team. It's probably one of the weakest units on the Miami Dolphins, even after bringing Austin Jackson in. Uh, we're going to talk about Robert Hunt a little bit later, but, you know, they got to make this pick work. And the one upside is, and I don't think a lot of people talk about this, Mason, is the dude's 20 years old. He's 20 yeah, he's young. years old. So like I mentioned, the upside is fantastic. Um, yeah. He probably has more upside than any of the guys drafted ahead of him in the NFL draft, but those guys are ready to play. They're plug-and-play type of players coming out of college. Uh, Austin Jackson is a different makeup right now. You can just see it on the game tape. Um, there's, there's, there's plays where you're like, this guy's a menace. He can get to the second level. He can really lay the wood um, – on those linebackers, he comes off the line quick. Uh, he has an athletic build, but cons, hand placement, leverage. He's just inconsistent during his time at USC. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, he's a five definitely for impact, but I'm a little worried coming out of the gates for Austin Jackson, you know, 20 years old, being thrown in as the left tackle for the Miami Dolphins this year. Yeah, and you never know. As he gets time in training camp, the Dolphins may feel like he might play somewhere else on the line. You know, I mean, that's the one that's one of the positives about this line for the Miami. I'm not saying I want Austin Jackson another spot, but there's a lot of guys who can move around at different spots, you know, injury concerns, anything like that. I mean, they can plug some guys in at different areas. Left tackle is probably one of the few spots where they really don't have a ton of guys with experience. Right now, it's probably either Davenport or Jackson started in week one. So, yes, we're both on the same page, Riley. A five for that. Huge impact. Huge position in football in general. Left tackle. So, hopefully, he can do that. Let's move on to the third. That's right. The third. They had three of them this year in the first round, their third pick in the first round, Noah Ibignagane, uh, Auburn defensive back, Riley, the more tape we've watched on him, the better we felt about their pick. I know it was a little bit of a head scratcher with what the dolphins have with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. You wanted a safety. I wanted a running back. They got him in the first round, but I think we would both agree. We're pretty excited about his prospect and, once again, a lot of raw talent, a little bit of a project, but he comes into a strong position, unlike Austin Jackson getting drafted and going to the offensive line. And he just inked his deal earlier this week, so he's ready to roll coming into camp. I'm really excited about Igbenogany and just the prospects of him because a lot like Austin Jackson, tons of upside, more of a raw player in terms of his technique. He's still kind of learning the position. He came into Auburn as a wide receiver, was converted to cornerback, so he has to play a little bit of catch up to you know to learn the actual position. But 
you got to love the athleticism that this guy brings, the physicality that he brings. And like you said, Mason, he's coming into a position unlike Austin Jackson where he doesn't have to worry about being the guy. Like Austin Jackson's coming in, and he has to play the most important position other than quarterback in football, left tackle. Knowing Benogany's going to come in, and he's got Byron Jones and Xavier Howard there, two of the top 10 cornerbacks in the league. So he knows I don't have to come in and be the guy. I don't have to go up against the opposing team's number one receiver week in and week out. I can come in. I'm going to come in on sub packages. I'm going to shut down from the nickel corner position and ball out and learn under these guys, this this strong secondary that the Dolphins have. It's the strongest position group on the team. So, yeah, in terms of his situation, much better than an Austin Jackson. I'm going to give him a four in terms of impact because while you may not see him in the starting lineup, you know, in your base 3-4-4-3 defense, you're going to see him a ton because I think the Dolphins are going to be playing a ton of sub packages this season. You're going to see a lot of defensive backs on the field to make use of that strong position group in the secondary. So I, I think you're going to see Igbo on the field a ton for the Miami Dolphins this year. So I'm going to give him a four. Yeah, and I mean, there's not much else to say. I think you've really covered the bases with that. Uh, the fact that he's not going to be one of the top two defensive backs, but he's going to be out there a lot in different packages. He's going to play a huge role. I'm going to say a four as well. Really excited. You know, the more and more I've watched, just how he can make up for his speed on plays in college where he did get beat. Now, in the NFL, it is a different speed, but he's got that talent. He's got that power. And like you said, you know, doesn't have a ton of experience playing defensive back. So there's a lot to work with for Brian Flores and company. So we're excited about him. But yeah, I put him at a solid four. Robert Hunt also in his go. deal. So all of the Dolphins draft picks are ready to roll coming into training camp. Drafted in the second round out of Louisiana Lafayette. We're anticipating that he's going to be competing for the right tackle position. So you could be looking at potentially two rookies on the offensive line week one for the Miami Dolphins. In terms of prospects for the future, very excited to see that. In terms of prospects for week one, not so siced. <laughs> a, little, a little more concerned. Um, but yeah, I, I know that you and I, Mason, are huge fans of Robert Hunt. He was one of your favorite picks um, in the draft. So just like Austin Jackson, you're going to be seeing a ton of Robert Hunt, whether it's at right tackle or even if they, they have to kick him into right guard, you're going to see a ton of Robert Hunt this year on the line. Yeah, you know, right side of the line right now, Dieter Davis, those are the two players from last year for the Dolphins who may be inked right now as starters, but as camp gets going, rookie camps, all that stuff, Hunt's going to have a great opportunity for one of those spots. For the Dolphins drafting him so early, they drafted him early, 39th pick overall. We got to think that right tackle is going to be the future spot for him. Will he start at right tackle in week one? possibly I think right guard is another good spot for him week one starter too. It's just going to be, how is he going to transition to the NFL in that spot? I've mentioned this before, but I got to say it again, second lowest pressure percentage allowed out of 380 offensive tackles by pro football focus. He does a great job protecting the quarterback, keeping that quarterback's pads and Jersey clean. That's what we need to see, especially with the future with Tua getting into there. I give, you know, kind of similar to Austin Jackson, I give Robert Hunt, I'm going to say a five. The fact that I think this guy is going to be playing very early on, probably a week one starter, he's going to have a huge impact for the Dolphins. I think Robert Hunt's situation going into camp is the right tackle job is his to lose. I think the Dolphins want to go into this season with the future set at both tackle positions. So until he proves that he can't play tackle at the NFL level, I think they're going to throw him out there. It might be rough for the first part of the season, 
you know, with Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt at both ends of the offensive line. But I think, you know, the Dolphins are going to go through those growing pains to see what they got in these guys. And if they have their future tackles, because if they do, man, they're set for a while uh, with these two guys. And yeah, once again, that's one reason why we've said probably not the best thing to put to a under the gun week one. I mean, if we're having a rookie left tackle and a rookie right tackle or a rookie guard, and then two veterans, Karras and Flowers also in there, it's going to be probably four new guys starting that offensive line. We need to ease to into it, but I would rather get those that offensive line set before the quarterback because we need to see what we're working with with these guys early in their careers. So let's move on to their second second-round pick from the draft. We're talking Raekwon Davis, defensive tackle out of Alabama. Some people, this was a head-scratcher. Brian Flores was pumped. He was he was super psyched to get Raekwon Davis. <laughs> That's an team. understatement. Uh, okay. You saw everyone has seen the video at this point. Um it's, it's interesting to see how he fits in terms of the rotation. Now, he's not going to be a starter on this team, but I think you could potentially see a lot of Raekwon Davis this year um, in the rotation on the defensive line. They're going to try to, you know, they tried to obviously bulk up, uh, bring in some new guys, Devon Godshaw in his contract year. We don't know what his future holds, so I think the team would really like to see Raekwon Davis come in and, mm-hmm. and take the reins of that position, him and Christian Wilkins. So I think Raekwon Davis is another guy. He's going to get every opportunity in the world to showcase his talent, to get a chance to compete, and he's just got to do the most with it because, as we saw and we've talked about multiple times on this show, since 2017, his production has decreased um, at Alabama every year and significantly, and a lot of people argue it's because of how he was used. But still, uh, when you see production decrease from you know going from 8.5 sacks in 2017 to .5 sacks mm. last year, that's quite a decrease. So we're pumped about how pumped Brian Flores is <laughs> that he got Raquan Davis, but a lot of question marks with this guy heading into the year. Yeah, a lot of question marks. And l- listen, best case scenario is that he does light a fire under our starters in Wilkins and Godshaw, you know, especially Godshaw, someone who's going into a contract year. This is a big year for him. So if Davis can go into there as a rookie and he can push these veterans, I mean, you know, Christian Wilkins, not really a veteran, but still, if he can push these guys with NFL experience, it's going to be a great situation because our starters are going to get better too. And that's what you want with your depth, especially in the line positions in the trenches. You want these guys who aren't starting to push the other players to take them to the next level. A lot of question marks though for Davis, but I'm going to say a three out of five. Um, was flirting with the idea of maybe saying 2.5, but I know how you weren't a big fan of the decimal. So I'm going to say a three Riley. (laughs) I feel like he is going to be seen this year just because the dolphins defensive line, similar to their offensive line has really struggled in the past, struggling to get to the quarterback. And there will probably be some times this year that the dolphins do have to put Davis in different types of packages, or he replaces a few of those guys in the uh, interior defensive line. So yeah, I think we're going to see him on the field. I'm hoping he can show us what he did in 2017 Alabama, because back in 2017, if, if he was able to go into the draft in 2018, he would have easily been a first round pick. It'll be interesting to see what situations we see Raquan Davis used for the Miami Dolphins. Cause if you look at his career at Alabama, I mentioned the sack decrease. So he was used much more as a run stopping force. And he did that very well up the middle for Alabama, but In terms of a pass rush, he didn't show much um, during his time there as his career went on. But if you look at the makeup of the Dolphins' defensive tackles, who we think are going to be seeing a significant amount of playing time, yeah, Christian Wilkins, towards the end of the year, uh, picked his game up 
got a little more pressure on the quarterback, but Devon Godshaw, not known as a pass-rushing defensive tackle, much more of your traditional run-clogging 3-4 um, defensive tackle, and he did it really well, but uh, pass-rushing, he needs to get a lot better than that if he wants to get paid like the top defensive tackles in the league, but are they going to use Raquan Davis like they used him at Alabama, or are they going to give him the opportunity to showcase that he has the talents to get pressure on the quarterback? Because just look at the tape of this guy at Alabama. I mean, there's a reason Brian Flores gets psyched for Raquan Davis, because this guy is a physical monster, a huge tackle radius, overpowers people on the interior of that line. So that's something to keep in mind. I'm going to go with a three here. Uh, because we don't know what situations we'll see him in, but I do think that the Dolphins want to give him every opportunity to succeed uh, moving forward. So, Riley, the Dolphins had one third-round pick, 70th overall. They go with the safety out of Texas. That's Brandon Jones. Now, I think I've been very vocal about this, but I'm not the biggest fan, and this is an understatement. I'm not the biggest fan of Bobby McCain playing free safety. I still think Bobby McCain is going to be the starting safe, one of the starting safeties for the Dolphins. But you have somebody in Brandon Jones. He can play both spots, which is valuable. I think he is going to give the Dolphins some impact on special teams as well. But I'm going to go ahead and say a two right now. I think this is someone in two to three years. He can develop some consistency, some talent in his game, and he can become very valuable for the Dolphins. But going into next year, once again, Another raw player, another guy who's going to be a little bit of a project. He did some good things at Texas, but then he had some issues with some other things being a defensive back for them. So right now with two, but there are some things I do like about Brandon Jones for the future. Yeah, last year, his senior year at Texas, he was elected to captain. Uh, 86 total tackles, which led the team during the regular season. Logged four and a half tackles for loss. He had two picks, four pass breakups. So he found some success. Um, throughout his career in Austin. But yeah, I'm kind of with you, Mason. I, I I mentioned Brandon Jones is one of my more questionable moves the Dolphins made when we did an episode um, breaking down the Dolphins offseason a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I, I'm not sure how much you're going to see him. I think Bobby McCain is going to get every opportunity to take that free safety position. And who knows, they may get creative with it because yeah, Byron Jones is a stud at cornerback. He's a shutdown one-on-one press man cornerback, but he played some safety uh, earlier in his career and Dallas. So we may see situations where either they go one single high safety with Eric Rowe, or they mm-hmm. bring on a buttload of cornerbacks and put Byron Jones <laughs> at safety as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of maneuver these defensive backs um, and kind of get the most out of their skill set. So Bobby McCain, I think, is in line for that starting traditional free safety spot. Uh, Brandon Jones, a lot of upside there, but still a lot of things that he needs to work on. I'm just worried about Brandon Jones, quite frankly, in coverage, especially on deeper routes. Um, He doesn't really have the speed to stay on receivers um, on those go routes, on those deep posts. He's got to work on that, but he is a good physical player up at the line of scrimmage. He likes to get involved in the box. Uh, So there's things that to get excited about, about Brandon Jones. I don't want to make it seem like I'm a Brandon Jones hater, but when you look at the list uh, up until this point, I think the guys that we mentioned before, you're going to be seeing a lot more of this season. So for an impact, I'm going to go ahead and give him a two as well. Mason, you'll see him in certain circumstances. You may see him on special teams, but unless he comes in and balls out in training camp, I just think it's too crowded of a secondary for him to get 
significant playing time this season. I Riley, the Dolphins traded. They gave up their 136th and 141st pick to move up to 111 to get the guard out of Georgia. Solomon Kinley made 32 starts at Georgia, so he played a lot for the Bulldogs, had a little bit of an up-and-down career. I think this is one of those other projects, but right now he's probably number two in the depth chart behind Eric Flowers at left guard. Don't think he'll overtake Flowers for left guard. I think that would be one of the bigger surprises in training camp just because of what Flowers did last year uh, for the Redskins at left guard. But once again, another guy the Dolphins can hopefully take, who hopefully can be a project. But I, I like him. I like what he can do. I like his size, man. 6'3", 340. He's a big guy. Yeah. Um, I, there was a cool story. I know this really doesn't go to impact, but it would be an impact if a player starts drowning in a pool where uh, Kirby Smart was talking about how Solomon Kinley, he used to be a lifeguard. Imagine that, a 340-pound, 6'3", just huge lifeguard. But there was a player on the team who, uh, I don't know if he was drowning, but he was having a lot of trouble swimming, and Solomon Kinley jumped in there, dragged him, and Kirby Smart essentially said, like, you know, he, he saved him, essentially. So, um, you know, Solomon Kinley, he's another project. Not sure how much time he's going to get, but – seems like the Dolphins, like many teams in the NFL, are one of those teams that just have a lot of injury concerns in their offensive line throughout the season. I, I About every year, it seems like the Dolphins have one big injury. You never know who it's going to be. So Solomon Kinley, he could very well see a decent amount of playing time. But because we're not going to pencil him in as a week one starter, I'd say his impact is going to be somewhere around the two range. But he's definitely someone down the road I can see the Dolphins leaning towards. It's so nice, Mason, to actually be talking about depth at the offensive <laughs> line because last year that was not the case at all. So you got guys like Solomon Kinley now who you hope can come and step in if called upon. You know, we talked about Dieter probably going to lose out on his starting guard position. He could compete for center. If not, he's going to be a rotational lineman. So you finally have some depth there. And Solomon Kinley, you know, you mentioned he's a big dude. He's a road grader. He plays angry. Apparently, he's a great trash talker, so I'm excited about that as well. Get some attitude on the <laughs> sure. offensive line. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, during his time at Georgia, he was he was a little up and down, but he did battle a foot injury most of last season. So uh, if you go back and watch the tape the year before, I think you'll get a better picture of what Solomon Kinley was. But during his time at Georgia, he played in 2005 snaps, and he only allowed four sacks. That entire time, 14 hurries yeah. on 901 pass blocks. I agree with you. I'm going to give him a two in terms of impact because I think it's just too crowded with bringing in flowers, drafting. Once on, again, it's great to say that. Too crowded. Isn't that nice? Isn't that crowded. nice to say yeah. that? It's too yeah. crowded. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to be in line for a starting position. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, I don't see them starting three rookies on the offensive line, but who knows? With this team, they may just roll with the young guys and see what they got. Uh, so we could see Kinley there in there uh, at the beginning of the season, but I'm going to anticipate him coming off the bench. Um, like you mentioned, there's always one or two injuries, so I think he's going to get some playing time this year. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be an every game starter for this team, at least at the beginning of the year. So I'm going to go with a two. Let's go ahead and move on. We're going to go to your boy, Jason Strobridge. I know you've been pretty high on him throughout the offseason. They pick him up in the fifth round at a North Carolina defensive end. Mason, do you see Jason Strobridge? I mean, they brought in a lot of new pieces, you know, rushing off the edge with Ogba and Lawson through free agency. How much do you think we're going to be seeing Jason Strobridge this year? 
This year, not much, um, but you're right. There are a lot of things I like about him. The more I watch tape, the more I read interviews from his former coaches. You know, Mac Brown at UNC last year was very high in him as well. He's got a good motor, 6'4", decent length, 275, not really big enough to play in the trenches um, like Wilkins and Godshaw can. You know, as far as impact goes, I'm not going to say a one, so I'll go ahead and say a two just because the line was so rough last year. You never know when they're going to implement him in different spots. And with the Dolphins, how they like that versatility, if he shows in camp that he can play in different positions around the field, we could see him a little bit more. The guy we're about to get to next, just to tease that, is going to be someone obviously we're bigger on than Jason Strobridge. But right now I'm going to say a two for impact, but I do like him possibly in the future. Two or three years from now, if he can develop his game, get consistently out there, I think he can be a guy who can surprise you a little bit. Yeah, he was known more at UNC for that guy that sets the edge well, effective against the run, plays with exceptional effort, but he's got to improve, especially if you're going to be playing on the end position. You got to improve your pass rushing efforts. Uh, he didn't get to the quarterback uh, at UNC very often, so he needs to improve that. He kind of lacks explosiveness when you're talking about someone coming off the edge, but yeah, it's a very crowded room at the defensive end. Uh, edge rusher position. I mentioned they brought in Manuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, but then you also have Kyle Van Noy who came off the edge yep. a ton last year for the Patriots. Uh, so I'm not sure how much you're going to see Strobridge. I'm going to give him a one. He's more of a project for the future. And I do think you're going to see Curtis Weaver who was taken later in that round. They traded up to get him. I think you're going to be seeing him potentially more than you will see Jason Strobridge despite him being picked behind Strobridge because if you look at the production in terms of a pass rusher, I think a lot of these guys uh, that the Dolphins brought in solid against the run have moments where they can get uh, into the backfield and cause pressure on the quarterback, but they need guys that get to the quarterback and Curtis Weaver excels at that. 2.5 2, 2 for Weaver for me. I know how you love those decimals. Um, yeah, his, his production in college speaks for itself. Uh, 13 and a half sacks last year, defensive player of the year for the mountain West conference. Got a great motor. He can play a little bit of outside linebacker drop into coverage. He's got good variety and we know that's what Brian Flores and company. They like to see in that defense. I think we're going to see Curtis Weaver a little bit more than the uh, defensive end, Jason Strobridge, the, that the dolphins drafted 10 picks before him. But yeah, a lot to like about Weaver. I know we're both very high on him. It's going to be interesting. And he's more versatile. Strobridge is your prototypical yeah. defensive end. Or Curtis Weaver, he can he can rush off the edge, but he can drop back into linebacker. It reminds me a lot of Kyle Van Noy. I'm actually really pumped that they're going to be working together. He'll be able to learn under Kyle Van Noy. So uh, a lot of, I mean, I've talked about this a ton, a lot of draft analysts had this guy as a top 60 to 80 player in the entire draft. So the fact that the Dolphins got him in the fifth round, has to get you excited. I think, you know, like I mentioned, you're going to see Van Noy obviously a ton, uh, but in situations, you know, maybe through injury or situations where you need a pass rusher on the field, you may see Curtis Weaver. I'm going to go ahead and give him a three because I think if he comes in and can showcase what he's got, you'll see him more and more on the field for the Dolphins. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's go to long snapper. Yes, long snapper in the sixth round. Blake Ferguson out of LSU. Now, for the longest time, the Dolphins had John Denny for, what, 14-so years? Yeah. John Denny uh, cut ties with him. They had Tabor Pepper last year, 
And now they bring in Blake Ferguson. I think it was what a couple days later they they cut Tabor Pepper. So Blake Ferguson is the guy. Like he's the long snapper on the team. So no competition. He was a four year starter at LSU. He was voted a team captain as a long snapper. So I guess that justifies them taking him in the sixth round. That's another conversation. But <laughs> hey, he's here. He's our long snapper of the future. Um, so get excited, Dolphins fans. Hey, you said it best, Riley. He is the long snapper. He's a five for me for impact. I mean, listen. Well, yeah. If he's if he's the starting long snapper, no matter if you hate the pick, if you like the pick, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you're a starting player and you're penciled in as that starter, it has to be your four or a five. For me, it's a five. I mean, long snapper, very important position. I mean, you talk about field goals, punting, special teams. I mean, you need to have that consistent consistency from him. So yeah, it, it's a five for me. Oh, yeah, situational football-wise, absolutely. And he's the only one you got. And he's a rookie, so you're going to be relying on him a ton this season, probably in a lot of clutch situations. When it comes down to late-game field goal situations, you know, Blake Ferguson's going to be trotting out there and snapping the ball. So he was, I think it's worth mentioning, he won the award for the nation's best long snapper last year. So the Dolphins felt like they had to jump up and get this guy. In the sixth hey, round. Hey, you know, Riley, it's like <laughs> fantasy football. When you're happy with your draft, you're happy with your team, and you just don't mind drafting a defense or a kicker a little earlier than normal. That's what the Dolphins did. Yeah, I'm not saying sin. I love the pick. That's a sin I'm not saying I me, love Mason, the pick. If it makes you happy, if it's your guy, then <laughs> that go you got to get him. Whatever. Not my personal strategy, but hey, Blake yeah. Ferguson, extremely successful. He's going to have a ton of impact. So I give him a five as well. So let's wrap it up with our seventh round pick, Malcolm Perry at Navy. He was predominantly quarterback, but you're going to be seeing him a lot from the running back position, from the wide receiver position. He is very versatile, can play all over the field. He's a bit undersized, 5'9", 190. But I know a lot of draft analysts were, you know, if you look at seventh round draft picks, a lot of them were intrigued by this Malcolm Perry pick. And it's because he brings such a, variety of skill sets to the football field. Yeah, gives him a ton of variety. He can do a lot. I mean, 4,000 yards, rush for over 4,000 yards, almost 500 receiving yards, 43 touchdowns from scrimmage, and he threw for 10 touchdowns. That's quite a career at Navy. 2019 AAC Offensive Player of the Year. He can do a lot, and that's why the Dolphins went out and got him in the seventh round. He can do a ton of that offense. He's right now listed as a running back, but they're going to use him in a lot of different spots. He's one of the guys, one of the many rookies that I wish we did have at least one preseason game just to see how the Dolphins would utilize them in different packages against different teams. Um, but for this season, I just don't know how much he's going to get out on the field. Running back, you know, we have Matt Breida, we have Jordan Howard, and then we have several at least two backups who have been there before. And then you look at wide receiver, you know, a, a, a position he had some experience with too. That's probably one of the most deepest positions on this roster for the Dolphins. So right now I'm going to say a one, but I do like Malcolm Perry. I just don't think he's going to make much of an impact this season. Yeah, I see him more as a practice squad candidate than making the actual active roster. Um, I am excited about the versatility that he brings. Uh, last year in 2019, he had 90 forced missed tackles, which was the most in the country out of any non-running back in college football. So obviously he's electric when he's on the football field. But like you said, there's just it's a crowded room at the wide receiver position. I mean, do you really see him being utilized over Jakeem Grant in these gadget type of plays? I think that's Jakeem Grant's job to lose 
um, unless he comes into camp and really blows it away and gives them a reason to say, all right, we're going to move on from, from Jakeem, then I don't see Malcolm Perry jumping him there. Running back, I don't see a lot of reps for him there either. So I, I'm just not sure this season where his place fits. I think it's going to take some time for him to really uh, make his mark on the roster and, and make his way up uh, the depth chart to get some significant playing time. You may see him um, if he makes the squad. You may see him on certain gadget plays, uh, especially since he can throw the football. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go ahead with a one as well. I think it's going to be a while, and if you see him, it's going to be it's going to be on a limited basis this season. So, all right, well, that's going to wrap it up. That's a ton of guys, Mason. Well, there's going to be yeah, a lot of rookies playing a lot of significant minutes for the Dolphins and, this year. And you know, Riley, I didn't do the math in my, my head as we were going through, but I'd say the average was probably like around a three from one to five for impact. I mean, there's a lot of – potential rookies who are either going to be starting or playing a solid amount of time with the Dolphins out on that football field. So it's a big, big, big year for these rookies and these guys to show how much of an impact they can give. Well, especially when you look at the situation that the Dolphins have, where you bring in 11 new draft picks, a lot of those in the first three rounds. So they're going to get every opportunity to play significant minutes for this Dolphins team, who is the youngest team in the NFL. So all of these different factors combined together, you're going to see a lot of rookies on the field for the Dolphins this year, which is an exciting thing. I mean, this is a rebuilding team. They brought in a lot of talent through free agency. They got their future quarterback, and now they have all these other pieces around him. So I think there's a lot of buzz around this you know, rookie draft class. It's a huge draft class. I've said it before, Mason. This is the most important draft class, at least in my memory, for the Miami Dolphins because, you know, the situation that the Dolphins are currently in in the rebuild, all the players they got rid of to acquire draft capital to get these guys. So it, it's a big-time class for the Dolphins. And if they hit on even half of these guys, the future is bright for the Miami Dolphins. So there's our Miami Dolphin rookies. That's the impact Mason and I think they're going to have on this season for the Miami Dolphins. So let us know, Dolphins fans, what you think. Who do you think is going to have the biggest impact in terms of the rookie class for the Miami Dolphins this year? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter, at Finit to Win It. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, make sure you get in on our last round of the Dolphins Trivia Contest. You can find that on our Facebook and Twitter accounts as well, so make sure you interact with that for your chance to win a $100 gift card to NFL Shop. As always, we really appreciate five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on any major podcast platform. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fin It to Win It. Training camp is upon us, Dolphins fans. Get excited. That's right. Football is in the future. I see light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. So from here on out, there's going to be a ton of news dropping, and Fin It to Win It is going to be covering it all. So thank you for joining us on this episode of Fin It to Win It. For Mason, I'm Riley. Have a great weekend, everybody. And as always, fins up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.